Welcome to another episode of Topicocalypse. No, this isn't Josh Peterson. This is Gerald Glassford, a guy who co-hosts with him on the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Welcome to the program. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. We've got a special guest for the show. If you get a chance, I want you to go ahead and check out. It's one of the probably the, the hottest moving books right now on the marketplace. It's a book that just released last month. Uh, it's actually of a different nature for a long time, I guess, movie buffs out there per se, but also people willing to understand more about, about all the different things and different aspects of, let's say, the 1970s and moving forward as far as uh, from a cultural and also a film aspect. The book is called I Was Flesh Gordon, Fighting the Sex Ray and Other Adventures of an Accidental Porn Pioneer. I have with me as my special guest today, it's Jason Williams. How are you today, Jason? I'm, uh, I'm well, thank you. And thank you for the introduction of uh, me being Flesh Gordon. Absolutely. He is Flesh Gordon. If you want to check out the actual film, it's with well with the technology that we have today and i think that's probably the first question i'll throw out, out, out to you um it is from 1974 it is flesh gordon um and it is a i guess probably a what would you categorize it as now what more a, more of a b movie or more of a movie that maybe led into a larger structure of film that uh maybe for for adult pioneers or adult movies or or anything of that nature um, well, you know, it was, it really, in terms of it being, having any period value, which, you know, the the real value of an adult film is that you get turned on or aroused sexually. Uh, Flesh Gordon <laughs> wasn't intended to do that. It, did, it didn't do that. And uh, no, and that's, and that's per se, it is more, I guess, of a B movie, but uh, you know, when people are approaching you, I'm sure they're kind of cautious on how they approach you with the film as far as from a B-movie aspect or, or like you said, because of the title itself. And I want to credit also as well your co-author on the book, the guy who helped you make this happen with the novel. It is Derek McCaw. Um, he, he actually, uh, from what I was reading as well, the words that, that almost part of, of in awe about, about your past, but the fact that you two have collaborated on things as well in modern times uh, it, that, you know, helped precipitate the, I guess, the um, the book in and of itself, because it was kind of nice, uh, kind of cool how, to, how you two arranged to, to start working with, with each other on an animation project, but it evolved into so much more. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. We, I, I uh, uh, was turned on to Derek by somebody else who, and he ends up, uh, I thought he was really a very talented writer and uh, he has um, an ongoing um, thing that he had does on the air now. And, and uh, um, he's a real, real interesting guy and easy to work with. And he's real smart. And, and he's a real science fiction uh, movie uh, buff and, um, 
loves loves it and and loves animation and loves the uh, superheroes and so um yeah um one thing led to another and and uh, when we finished working on the anime animation script uh, uh i decided i wanted to do the, the story about uh, the the making of flesh gordon and, and uh, all the people that worked on it and how it was which i actually found out that myself that it was actually triggered uh the the making of star wars uh, uh which you know i didn't know that until we started working on the book and we started researching blah 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 and derek told me that he had met a college professor that had told him that that was without flesh gordon star wars it never would have never gotten made and and uh the 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 truth was that uh, the George Lucas script had been at Fox for a couple of years. It was a script called The Star Wars. George wanted to get the rights to remake Flash Gordon, and he couldn't get them, so he created his own script. And uh, at that time, you know, science fiction um, uh, was um, – fairly serious it was not really any fun science fiction stuff out there war of the worlds and day the earth stood still and all the sci-fi stuff was pretty heavy and you know scary and all of that not fun and lighthearted in any way so the feeling was fox well we can't make this the star wars movie with harry uh talking chewbacca's and robots that talk to each other and all the stuff that the fun stuff that he had in the in the science fiction it wasn't scary and and all of that it was had some action and yeah but it was basically fun right and and had some uh, maybe thoughtful values to talk about to people or, or to try to lay on to people hang on just a second we'll put my dog up on the bed he just got back from the hospital and um then when uh, uh flesh gordon was released and uh, it was a huge hit. Then uh, all of a sudden, 20th Century Fox says, well, you know what? We have that little movie called the Star Wars script here that has been sitting around for a couple of years. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should take another look at that. And, of course, they did. And a lot of the guys that actually worked on, uh, on the special effects on Flesh Gordon ended up working on Star Wars. Some of the main players on Star Wars were actually crucial to the making of um, Flesh Gordon. In fact, Greg Jean, who, I mean, uh, Dennis Muren, who is the head of Industrial Light and Magic, uh, there's a shot in Flesh Gordon that was like the first computer-generated um, shot ever ever done. He figured out how to do it, and then they ended up using that technology in, in, in Star Wars. And there's also a lot of stop motion clay animation and things of yeah. that nature. When you actually see the film, I actually got a chance to uh, watch part, uh, uh, quite a few parts of it. Um, and I actually remember it from the day I, I'm uh, approaching 50 myself. So, of course, oh, yeah. over the course of your life, you actually hear of a of Flesh Gordon. Yes, uh, in in my travels and what I actually dabbled in the in the movie industry at one point in time in my life as well. So so yes, the correlation between Flesh Gordon and also the later movie that came out, which we all know as Star Wars, uh, is apparent. And there's actually uh, a nod to your film that you worked on, Flesh Gordon, in Star Wars, which 
I know a lot of people don't know, but if you're like a really uh, hardcore movie buff, you actually get to see it uh, and and can acknowledge it. And it's funny because now on hindsight, with all the technology we have, it's pretty easy to bring up at any point in time on a Google or Bing search or what have you. But uh, I'm sure it must have been satisfying for everyone involved with Flesh Gordon who was aware of it um, to see that kind of nod on such a, a major spectacle that that actually came out and just thrilled audiences the world over. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, yeah. The, but, the, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, I was going to say that this takes us to what we're talking about now with, with the actual movie that, that you were on and the book also as well. Once again, the title of the book, you, and like I said, if you get a chance well, you better hurry too, because the book actually sells out quite a bit. Uh, at the time of this taping, there was only five left in stock, but more is on the way through Amazon.com. But you can also get it via, um, also as well, you can get it via the Kindle. So if you have a Kindle, via Kindle or right from the publisher too, you can go to McFarland and get it right from. Absolutely, for nine ninety nine, it is through Kindle, and then also nineteen ninety nine is the paperback book itself. Correct. Um, it does replenish, so if, if there is, if it's sold out, it will replenish because yeah, I guess yeah, you'll get it if you order it, you'll get it. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely, and then also BarnesandNoble.com as well. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, you can get it everywhere. You can get it. It's, uh, it's right. out there now, and actually, um, doing well, which is. Um, I don't know what that really means, you know. <laughs> well, that's, it's that's number, success. Well, it says it's the number one new seller at Amazon, and I thought, well, what does that mean? It sold fifty copies or something. You know? Well, but, that that uh, but that's great it's news. That's better great. Than nothing. News. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, at I it doesn't. I don't have a big uh, uh, publicist or company or anything behind the, the release or any of that. So um, it's all going to be like word of mouth. But you know, it's a it's a fun look at. It's, I think if I had to describe the book in terms of things that people might know it's a cross between midnight cowboy and boogie nights yes and that you know anybody that that uh i guess dabbles into that uh, the adult movie scene obviously would find the movie um tame by today's oh, very standards. Tame. Yeah, like I yeah, say, yeah you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna get a a rise if you know what i mean from from uh watching the film because it's not there's no and, and what happened? And I think intentionally they wanted to have some some parts of it have purient uh, value, but we were on such a short budget that uh, they would shoot stuff in the wide shot. And uh, of course, you know, you really need close-ups to have any kind of uh, sex is best if you're going to use it for pornography. Needs if you need to see what needs you need to see the action. Um, and when you're in a wide shot, it doesn't really uh, help that that idea out very much. And I, and and in fact, I I do believe that the whole pornography thing. And I mentioned in the book when I I walked in to get my um, my my flesh cord Superman costume that there were two girls in there that were being fitted for uh, uh, Amazon skirts or some kind of material, and they were nude and they were shaved. And that was a man. I was from Orange County, and any girl I've ever met, that was like a new thing. Girls didn't shave themselves in the in the you know late sixties and early seventies. That it just was not not common. They might have shaved, shaved their bikini line or something like that, but they didn't. 
shave it down to the, the bald muffin. And I think that the, the did, they did that because the, the pornographers wanted to have really get good, good visual access of, of everything. So they got, uh, you know, got everything out of the way so they could see, see what was going on with the camera. But like uh, I say, in Flesh Gordon, there wasn't any of that really zero because it was not when they would finish the long shot, there was such a heavy schedule to get on and such a tight budget that, in fact, I say in the book, you know, they were sawing and hammering and nails and drilling and painting while we were doing rehearsals. And the only time they would stop is when we actually were doing a take. And as soon as the take was over, the saws would start back up again. And, you know, or the construction, so everything was going kind of on at the same time because there was, you know, in film, money is time and, and um, uh, time is money. So they would, as soon as we would not, they didn't need the sound, then they would start um, working again. Well, I'll tell you what, people, when they watch the film, or even if they catch the highlights or whatnot, uh, wherever they get their, their, as far as video from it, 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 yes, it does have that B-movie feel, but it does have that feel also as well that there was a limited budget, but somehow within that limited budget, we're able to go ahead and, I guess, uh, use movie magic to make the film enjoyable yeah. in many aspects. And that's what I think is one of the best parts about your movie that you worked on and that you became so, I guess, connected with as far as at least that portion uh, of your career. Now, that wasn't your first foray. I mean, uh, if you if you just look at the title and people were just able to look at the title, it says, you know, I understand that you actually, this was not exactly the route you intended to take, uh, obviously, in that direction, but... This wasn't your first foray uh, into that type of, I guess, uh, low-budget B-movie films, correct? Uh, correct. I had done... Um, uh, A couple of years before. Well, um, a couple of years before, maybe we had done... Um, well, see, now look, see, you're thinking Flesh Gordon came out in 74. Really, Flesh Gordon was, was shot in 71. Oh, okay. Okay. So there was three years in 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 post. Okay. Uh, be, okay. Be, be, between the the the, the animation and uh, all that stuff took took a tremendous amount of time. Almost and, like a video uh, game by today's standards. Yeah, yeah. So and, and they had to make money because they ran out of money once we were once they had finished the 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 principal photography. The producers were really out of money, and they had to go then back and start making more adult movies generate money from the adult movies and then pour that money back into the finishing of flesh Gordon. That's kind of how it went. They were robbing Peter all the time to pay Paul to try to get uh, flesh Gordon finished. And of course, at th that time they were doing the animation part of it, which was really tedious and time consuming. And um, they were, they weren't uh, except a couple of guys that they dealt with were on, on the ball, but there all also were some guys that they were dealing with who, we're, we're imagining that ghosts were coming into their studios at night like that and were not so credible of characters. I can imagine working on something like that. Uh, I will say this. So you worked on Prison Girls, which was the first listed movie that you worked yeah, on. Yeah, Prison Girls was, you was, was uh, done that, after. That was a 3D, actually, it was actually a 3D movie mm -hmm. the, that they had the German technique where they shot... Uh, 
they had mirrors and they the film went through and and uh, there was two different uh, uh, rolls of film going at the same time. It was kind of a kind of a weird camera and um, yeah, and I played a a, a pimp in that uh, in that movie, kind of a tough guy pimp. But you worked on that movie. You're, so you're saying you worked on that movie after after Flesh Gordon. Okay, after. Flesh- but well, it got released. Got it out, got released earlier. Cop Killers, both. Okay. Another film called Cop Killers. Yes, I saw that one as well. Uh, come out where I play this kind of crazy guy, like uh, like a Bruce Dern kind of wacko uh, psycho guy. That's kind of hard to like, and I think that maybe that's one of the reasons I never. I was a good role, and I was good in it, but there was no redeeming value of my character. There wasn't any cute. I didn't have any cute stuff to do. Any kind of endearing. I wasn't socially. Um, there wasn't any kind of uh, social statement I was making about about anything except uh, these guys just wanted to make money and they were on the run and it's kind of brutal and I didn't care about anybody. So I think it was hard for anybody to really care about me. Well, I, but it does show that that you were able to make uh, a successive line of movies within that realm. Now, one of the films that stands out, yes, you, you do have a lot of films that where I guess you can consider B films or things of that nature. But sure. one one film that actually, well, one film role that actually stands out when look when you look at your career is Down and Out in Beverly Hills, which actually was a very successful movie yeah, during absolutely. its day. Absolutely, uh, I uh, I would became friends with uh, Paul Mazursky, who was uh, kind of a well-known uh, producer director, um, and we were really good friends. And um, so when he did his movie, uh, then you know show business, he gave me a part, and I didn't have to read for it or anything else. He he knew I, I you know it was not not a, it was a cup two or three days worth of work. I played a cop and had to go over to Richard Dreyfuss's house when the, I don't know if you remember the movie, but they had a dog that was, Richard Dreyfuss was uh, banging the, um, his maid. Um, and, and the dog, every time that he would go in and start making out with the maid, the dog would go over and set off the, uh, the police uh, alarm. So security. So uh, it was just something that the dog did to like rat on, on, it was kind of thing that the dog was ratting on uh, Richard Dreyfus. So anyway, I would show up and say, "Well, what's going on?" And Richard Dreyfus said, "Nothing. Nothing's happening." And the dog must have set it off again. But um, show business is so much of who you know uh, because it's really the only objective thing in the in in show business. Every other thing is subjective. What's red? What's tall? What's a powerful wind? What, it, what is anything? I mean, you know, when we get outside of the realm of, of numbers, which are uh, u- uniformly uh, the same throughout the world, and, and you start using other language words to describe a thing, then there's this whole uh, idea of, you know, what what is a good color of red? What's the right color of green? What's this? What's that? And it's all so subjective. That's why there's so much nepotism because nobody really knows anything. Everybody, yes, everybody's trying hard and working hard and giving it their all and and all of that. I don't think that anybody's not involved emotionally with what they're doing. It's just the fact that, and they believe in what they're doing also. 
It's just the fact that their belief is totally subjective and, and not really based on anything except how they feel. I mean, and that's what art is, isn't it? How you feel about something. I, I, I don't know what else it is. In all my years of doing this and being involved with every kind of production you can imagine from multi, multi-million dollars to, to 25 cents, um, you know, there is no real truth about anything except who you know. That's, that's the one thing in town why, why sort of it's, you know, who you know can't you, when I pick up the phone and now I know you, so when I call again, you will have this, at least this amount of, uh, of time between us and, and uh, um, whatever feeling you have for me, you, it'll be in place. And when I call you up, it won't, I won't be a stranger and you'll, you'll have whatever, you know, affinity to, to connect with me that you didn't have when you don't know who I am and you don't know me. And that, that's just the way life is. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's, you know, it's the way life is. And, and the town is, Tinseltown is very fickle and, and very much who you know. And, and um, like I say, because that is in the art and dealing with art, the, the only thing that is, for that you can't deny is who you know there's not really that's not subjective i guess you could say how well you know somebody is you might think oh i really know that guy really well he's you know he doesn't hardly know you very well but at least he does know you i mean you know that that, i guess there is some job even within who you know there is a certain amount of subjectivity involved how, how well that connection really exists I guess, and that depends probably on your position in life. If you're the head of the studio, you probably think everyone's a peon, and if you know the head of the studio, you probably think he's your your you know your long lost brother or something. You know. Well, I can tell you, I I can't agree with you more on that because I did work for two special effects companies during the mid '90s, and <laughs> believe me, from what I experienced on there in my short time in the industry. It is an industry, uh, not only on uh, that kind of always just, uh, I guess it, it deviates not always from what you know, but it does always rely on who you know within that industry. And connections yeah. are extremely important. They're extremely yeah. valuable within an industry. And if you don't have the right connections, you are not going to survive long term within the industry. So that's, can, cannot agree with you more no, on that. And if you do still survive long-term, you, you'll have connections. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Once again, I am here with Jason Williams. He is the co-author, along with Derek McGraw of I Was Flesh Gordon, Fighting the Sex Ray and Other Adventures of an Accidental Porn Pioneer. You got to get the book today. It is available for $19.99 on Amazon.com. Also as well, Barnes & Noble, I believe Goodreads and all that. Plus, also, you can get it available for the Amazon Kindle for just $9.99 as well. You better get it today, I'm telling you. Even though it will replenish, there's always a low supply on hand as far as if you want the paperback. So I'll just give you a heads up on that because it is it is actually drawing very well at this point in time. I, I want to ask you uh, one more question before I get into the particulars of the book and, and as far as your discussion and what what you feel the book is all about and that is the success that you had later in your career in hollywood as an emmy award-winning producer um and congratulations to you on that belatedly um for an outstanding informational series 
tell me what it's like for someone who starred in what is considered uh, a, um, I guess, adult movie pioneer to someone who could transition into a producer's role into an Emmy-winning program uh, that you did as far as the informational series and and all the connections that you were involved in with within that process. Um, well, you know, I think it's oh, when you try to do anything other than, uh, well, it's funny. I am the most known unknown person in the world. <laughs> Best way to say that, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Flesh Gordon is known, but I'm I'm unknown. But periodically, that does become a problem um, when you're trying to do legitimate things because everyone thinks, oh, uh, Flesh Gordon is pornography. When it, like I told you, it's not. No, and it um, and it and really you is. Cannot really. There's no way to get aroused when you watch Flesh Gordon. You 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 can have laughs and have a good time, but man, I. I I, I, it was just not that, that, that there just isn't that's not happening it, that that is not part of the uh, the scene with but if you haven't seen the movie you don't know that and so then there is this stigma that you've always got to try to work around and and uh and actually not let people know uh, that and thank god actually there are plenty of uh, Jason Williams <laughs> Now it's become kind of a you know my real name is J J A Y but when I came to Hollywood my agent said well you know you should have a more dramatic name and um, you know why don't you think about changing it to Jason Williams and uh, I said okay it sounds good to me I mean you know Jason and the Argonauts I could I was thinking oh that's a big you know and there was only. Uh, I think there was really only one other Jason at that time. Jason Robards, I think, was was the only other guy, and there was no other Jason Williams. But then, subsequently, there's been all kinds of Jason Williams. You know, White Chocolate. There's a basketball player who was a fairly famous uh, Jason Williams. And there's another actor after that as well. But I just will tell you, you had the top of the list, my friend, as far as being on top, as far as any search. So you're still out there, still has your profile photo. So oh, God, like. God. Like you, like you said, some value, I guess, right? the most famous, not so famous person out there, I guess. <laughs> I guess put that on your bio right there. But yeah, yeah, no, it does say I am the most known unknown person in the world. Yeah, it's true. It it, uh, it is my claim to fame, which is kind of um, look. I I guess in in some ways it would my life would have been different if it, if I would have been. Uh, known more than I am, but uh, my life's been good. So, um, and fun and interesting. And, uh, and you know what? I tell you, honest to God, truth. I had a little tiny bit of what fame was like when Flesh Gordon was hot, when it was in the theaters and, and, uh, and playing. And I would be like in the I would be in the DMV line at the I can remember being in line in lines and people would come up to me and say, "Oh, you're you're Flesh Gordon, ba 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 ba," and uh, eating dinner and people would come over. It, it happened a few times only during the period, maybe for for a few months while Flesh Gordon was in the theaters and and it was really something. Uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like the people. 
the idea that people could come up to me and, and they were nice people. There wasn't anything wrong with them. And they came up to me and actually felt like they knew me. They were being genuine. They had a genuine connection to me and I didn't have that connection to them, which is really an odd, an odd place to be that when somebody is coming up to you in a genuine kind of uh, open, honest uh, manner and um, and they're op- being open and sincere to you, and, and then yet somehow you, it seems like you're supposed to be the same back to them, but it's very difficult because you don't have that connection to them. So it's kind of, it's a weird, very, very weird dynamic of fame in, in, in that sense that uh, people know you and you don't know them, and it's hard to, then you have to kind of act uh, they're they're being genuine, and you kind of have to act with your uh, acknowledgement of of them and who they are and all of that because they're, you don't really have a genuine way of you haven't spent time with them, you don't know them, and they haven't spent time with you as a, if you're an actor, they spent time with you while you're on the screen, so they feel like they know you and blah 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 and all this connection because what is connection ultimately except by sharing time with someone somehow? That's how you get connected to somebody if you hard to be connected to somebody that you haven't spent any time with. So, so it's a very confusing, fame is a very confusing, I think, uh, and kind of shallow in, in, in many ways. Um, because I say the person, the person who's being famed is always, if they're being nice back to the person that there's being genuine to them, they're, they're, they, they're not really being genuine in the same way. They're kind of act, their genuineness is being kind of a, is kind of an act. And so I found that that whole situation un, uncomfortable and not not one that I that I really uh, appreciated. I guess some people like it. Maybe Donald Trump. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you a bit on that because if if you're not used to it, obviously it can be overwhelming. And I, and I can't say I blame you a bit on that. Um, but I, I will say like this. Um, Yes, you you are known uh, obviously for the the contributions that you made to I guess the B movie industry, if you want to say, and obviously the the contributions that you made and the connections made to Star Wars with Flesh Gordon. But how satisfying again was it for you that night you you realized you were going to you were the Emmy winner for uh, as far as being a producer of Time Life's Lost Civilizations back in nineteen ninety six. Uh, for oh, you know, uh, well, let me say this it's the outstanding informational series and Emmy Award winner. And and how satisfying was that for you? Fantastic, fantastic, yeah. So, I mean, from where you came from, that's that's a big difference. And like you said, again, it's it's all it's in this world. I, I, I know what the world is, the world is that this world of not of, of of subjectivity of what what does that mean of of what where how, against what of what who didn't win and why and and so i kind of take that all with the, all the praise and and the kudos and uh you know with a grain of a grain of salt you know there's look look at there's a story about the uh about the opening night of flesh gordon and it's kind of a Cinderella story of uh, 
the opening of Flesh Gordon in uh, Westwood, where um, it's a great it's a great read in the book. But I'll sum it up. It it uh, I, I I go to the uh, they rent me a car, and uh, they get two models to go with me. I'm in my Superman costume. It's a Mercedes convertible. I pull up in front of the Westwood Theater. There's Oingo Boingo band is there. They have a red the the clay lights, the red carpet. Tons of photographers are there. The movie had already opened in New York and was a big hit, so there was kind of a little bit of a buzz on it by the time it got here to Los Angeles. And um, I get out of the car. The original Flash Gordon was there. He greeted me. I get out of the car. I walk down the red carpet with the two girls side by side, and everybody's saying, oh, Flesh, Flesh, over here. I go into the theater. The, the movie plays, it plays like a champion. Everybody laughs and has a great time. Couldn't have been really any better. Uh, I, I go back outside. I got the girls with me. We walk down the red carpet. By now, and now the photographers and press, is everybody's going just ape shit, really like fighting each other to get a picture and stuff. They pull the car up, the Mercedes up. I jump in the car with the Superman costume. The two girls, the blonde and the brunette, get in. I peel out away from the theater, like that, and we get down to the corner. I turn the corner, and the one girl says, hey, you know, um, I'm parked about two blocks away. Can you drop me off? I said, sure. And she said, the other girl said, yeah, I, I'm going to meet my boyfriend over here. Would you drop me off? I said, sure. So then I take the car back to the to the rental place, and I'm in my Superman costume. I drop it off, and the guy says, oh, where'd you park your spaceship, buddy? <laughs> yeah. And I said, uh, yeah, funny, funny. So I give the car back. I, I and now it starts to rain, and I'm in the Superman costume. I run to my car, which was a beat up. I was an out of work actor. I was an out of work actor. That just happened that now that this movie was coming out that we had done three years ago. So I was just out of work actor who was struggling. I had an old Mustang convertible that could barely run, and only one windshield wiper worked. And it had a leak in the roof. And I remember I'm and, and, and I'm driving home down Sunset Boulevard to my crappy apartment that I lived in. And 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 it was raining and rain was coming in and it wants you wiper to click, click, click back and forth. And I'm shivering cold. And I thought to myself, God, just just ten minutes ago, I was I was God. People were paying. They would pay money to touch me, just to just to have me wave at them. They would. They would. It was a, a thrill. And now I'm I'm driving home down to to my apartment, this rat apartment, and I'm in this crappy car, and it's raining, and my Superman suit sets suits all wet, and it was just miserable. And I just had went from being on top of the world like you couldn't believe. Uh, with with uh, adulation and everything, you know, how great I was, and you know, and just m seconds later, literally just moments later, I'm 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 nothing, I'm nobody, I'm going back to a, a rat hole. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and um, so any adulation I I got in Hollywood at any point in time, I realized was, you know fleeting and at best would be gone you know and you better not try to live on your laurels you better um 
you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And, and, uh, that's, that's probably the most important thing of all that you, that you care. I just finished this anti-drug movie for kids. I like to talk about just briefly. And, um, it's, there's only kids in it. I, uh, uh, there's no adults, no adult voices. And it was a, such a struggle to, to even get, to be able to film kids. And I kind of understand that we're, we're protecting them kids, but, but in the same breath, I, I know that kids will listen to other kids in a way that they won't listen to me or you or, or they won't listen to adults. It's just, it's a different voice. It's, it's like our voices are not coming in clear. It's like a radio station that's not really tuned in properly. You're, you're getting part of it, but then it's crapping out. And you're not hearing all the complete sentences or what everybody's saying. And yet when kids talk to kids, then I think it comes in loud and clear and so that's what I did on this film. Um, it's called Addiction Trap. Uh, and I've got, you know, a lot of kids in it. I've got a lot of kids. There's several kids in it who died and uh, talked to their parents about going into the, the finding their kids in a bedroom with a needle in his arm. And they, they didn't even know that he was a, a drug addict, you know. And I can't imagine the, the pain. The pain I felt from talking to these people was just incredible. Now the finish. Now the film is finished, and I'm having the same problem getting the 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 film in front of a front of kids because of the same kind of fear of of liability of showing somebody something that that they shouldn't see, and now you somehow encourage them to go go do something, which is just such bullshit because they're all going to get tempted by by drugs. I mean, it just and I mean, I guess there's exceptions to every rule, but man, for the most part, if you're in middle school, you're going to get offered drugs at some point pretty soon. That's uh, that's definitely a fair assessment. As father of two daughters, uh, I can totally empathize with that. And definitely more should come out as far as for your film is concerned on uh, the fight against drugs and that the message that it tries to have as far as, like you said, from kids to kids, as far as staying away from that type of atmosphere. But, uh, you know, like you said, it is out there. It is apparent. And on that level, as far as from a kid to kid, a peer to peer aspect, it's it's very hard to say no. So It is because I'm telling you, when those kids get away from you and they're out with uh, the rest of their buddies and they're all saying, hey, let's do this. Let's have a good time. What's wrong with you? Are you chicken? Are you this? You're afraid? Come on, man. This is how my movie starts, kids saying this to each other. You're with friends. Come on. Don't be chicken. This is happening. You know, what's wrong with you? And everybody, no, nobody wants when you're a teen and you're an adolescent trying to find out who in the hell you are in life. It, it's very difficult. I mean, peer pressure is, is like, a, like a big vice, man. It's tough to fight against it. It squeezes you down and you, it's really, and the only thing that will allow you to fight peer, peer, peer pressure, I think, is actual information, truthful information that you somehow know, even as a teenager, you know this is true. You know the people in my film, when they're telling you about all the crap that happened to them and all the misery and suffering that they went through, you know that if they're not bullshitting you and that that is really what happened and that that you can die from the same thing that just got your friend high. You can, It can kill you. It yeah. does. And so, you know... If we get this kind of information in their in their heads, it's not going to go anywhere if they if it really takes root. And then that, that 
I think that if anything will allow them to stand up to peer pressure, it'll just be this information that they really believe in and that somehow that that's going to give them the strength to say no, because obviously I think they need, they need help to say no. That's difficult, really difficult. Yeah, definitely. That, that is correct. It is difficult to try and avoid that type of lifestyle because it can suck you right in. Cannot agree with you more on that. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we head on out, uh, and it, it's in your own words, and I want to put have you put it in your own words, um, what this book is all about. And again, it, it is, a, a like I said, if you get a chance out there, you got to check out this book. Uh, it is I Was Flesh Gordon, Fighting the Sex Ray and Other Adventures of an Accidental Porn Pioneer. Just right. please, Jason Williams, I want you to tell me in your own words what you and Derek have created as far as this book and, and what messages or, or basically how are they going to be entertained by what you have to say? It, it, it's a real fun look at um, and comment at on, uh, on the 70s. It's a fun look, I think, at a the reality of a, an actor coming into town being green and and uh, and trying to survive here in this town and make it as an actor and a, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that uh, that you know you might not know about and and um, just my progression of, of the various weird things that happened to me as 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 a, as Flesh Gordon and. Um, the opera, various opportunities that presented themselves in my life and and how I uh, how I responded to them, but it's fun. I think there's a, quite a few laughs and and like I say, some stuff that you find out, some stuff that you didn't know, and and um, it, it's a fun, it's a quick read. Like I say, I think it's a cross between Midnight Cowboy and and Boogie Nights and um, and and. Um, it's fun. I think it's fun. I think you'll think it's fun. And, and I don't know what it, look at if life's fun. If I, if I created some fun for people, I did a, I did a good job. You know, fun is tough to be. This is true. This is definitely true. Uh, once again, I appreciate you being on the show. It is Jason Williams. He is the co-author of the latest book that's out. I was flesh Gordon fighting the sex ray and other adventures of an accidental porn pioneer. That's correct. Jason, it's been so great having you on the show, being part of the Topic Ocalypse okay. today. And I hope to bring you back on as far as it, once the, the anti-drug film comes out, we'd like to oh, yeah. get you I, back I on the show. To... Yeah, no, it's out now. Listen, I'll, I'll come back on and talk about it. It's out. I'm trying to get it in the middle school. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a, real, uh, it's a real beast. But in terms of Flesh Gordon, the, the line that my co-writer came up with was, what do... Uh, Star Wars, Alice in Wonderland, Oingo Boingo, uh, and Groucho Marx uh, all, all have in common. And, and he says you'll have to read the book to find out. I mooned, I mooned Groucho Marx once. It was very, it was very, very he almost swallowed. He's like he bit a lemon, you know. He had, I don't know if you remember his face, but he, his face was, oh my I God. do. And he, back, he, back when mooning was a you know, in the seventies, mooning was a big uh, was a big thing. So yeah, yeah, I, that that from what I heard. Uh, uh, but I remember Groucho Marx as an older 
uh, you know, in the latter stages of his life, uh, how he would take something like that. So I, I can imagine that's probably a great story. <laughs> it was a great story. Yeah, he was in the back of Rolls Royce and I mooned him. So Rolls Royce. It was it was it was pretty funny. I had a, I I used to have a Nixon mask. I wore a Nixon mask periodically, and I would give people a peace peace sign, and they would think it was Nixon, and and then I would moon them, and it was. Um, it was, it was, I was, I was looking for, that was fun. I like to have fun. So the book is fun. If your folks want to have, uh, your listeners want to, are interested in a, a good fun read, check out, uh, I was Slash Gordon fighting the sex ray. And you know, that's, that's a tough thing to do. And, uh, when it concerns the Oingo Boingo, and I remember you mentioning it with, uh, as far as the movie premieres and whatnot, I was, I'm wondering if that led to an influence on how Danny Elfman migrated into scoring so many yeah, films no, as well. You're right. It could have. That was he was. You know that they were they weren't who they are. He wasn't who he is now. I'll tell you that he was. He was just starting out then at, uh, to do that that opening or the Oingo Boingo Bang, playing playing in the street. It was fun. It was fun, and look what they evolved into, and what his career and life yeah. evolved to wow. as well. Yeah. So. so there's listen. If you read the if you read the uh, the index of the book, you'd say, my God, because I, I read it myself and I thought, man, there's really a lot. Everybody from Mae West to Denny Doherty from the Mamas and the Papas to you you name it, uh, I, I ran across and had some kind of a thing. So, yeah, so you can find out a lot of, a lot of uh, star trivia and, and stuff like that if you're, if you're into that because a certain amount of that happened to me and, and, and uh, I talked about it. And if you know, if it comes at a perfect time because yet that point in time in history, you saw, um, you know, not not just name dropping, but the names that you correlate to in this era are individuals that are starting on their careers, and other individuals that are ending or close to the end of their yep. careers as well. Yep. So it's a unique blend and a unique. Yeah time that it came out and and who you were able to interact with and those stories are all generated in this awesome book uh once again everybody got to check it out it it was it is i was flesh gordon fighting the sex ray and other adventures of an accidental porn pioneer it is available today on amazon.com also as well barnes and noble goodreads it's available as a kindle paperback and also many other book outlets any others any other outlets that might be able to? Oh, I, I don't know. I think if they just go do a Google search, they'll find it at a, a, a friendly uh, place of their convenience. Oh, that that's awesome indeed. Well, Jason, it's been so great having you on the show. And, and it's true. Like I said, I welcome you back if you want to talk more about your other okay. projects. So. It sounds good. All right. Then again, thank you so much for being part thank of the show so today. Thank All you. Right. So much, All right. If you have any questions out there, everyone, just please send it to us right here at Humanica Media Gmail or Pop Culture. We'll do, we'll do another show if you get enough questions. So there you go. Sounds good. Sounds good. All Sounds right. good, indeed. Okay. All right. Thank you so Bye-bye. much for taking. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.